The gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 40 through 52, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1592. Luke 2, verses 40 through 52. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Have you, have you ever misplaced something? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> we all have done that, haven't we? We've all misplaced something. Perhaps um, we were reading a book and put it down and then later couldn't remember where we put it. <laughs> or sometimes we walk into a room and don't remember why we came there. Can I get an amen on that? That happened to my 23-year-old just a little while ago, and he walks in, he goes, and his mother and I went, ah! <laughs> Maybe we were watching television, and we couldn't remember where we put the remote control. You know, if uh, smartphones were really smart, they would call out, I'm underneath the 
cushion and the couch. I've even put my coffee cup in the microwave, and later I couldn't remember what it was. One time I was on the phone, I have to admit this. I said, I can't find my phone. True story, Tracy will tell you. So what do you do, and what should we do when we, repl- we misplace something, right? I mean, what do you do? We usually retrace our steps to all of the places that we have been until we find it. Don't you love it when someone goes, well, when did you last see it? Or where was it when you last saw it? Like, Thank you, that's just not helpful. And if we're lucky, we have family to help us search. Right? Or, or in addition to, we have family to make fun of us while we search. The Bible lesson today is about some parents. Not just some parents, but parents who misplace something. Not just something, but these parents, Mary and Joseph, misplaced Jesus, the Messiah. It wasn't like misplacing a book or keys. They misplaced their child. And here's how it happened. They went to Jerusalem, as we read, and they did that every year for the Feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem just as they had always done. After the Passover, they began their journey home. Always had done this routine. No different. But this time, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary didn't know it. They thought that he was with some friends or family members as they were traveling with them. There was no cause for alarm. Because again, this happened over and over. And after they had gone a day's journey, we read that they began to look for Jesus among their relatives and friends, but he wasn't there. And when they couldn't find him, they decided to return to Jerusalem to look for him. And after searching for three days, they did. They finally found them, right? And it's not really a question of guess where he was, because we know. But guess where he was? In his father's house. He was in the temple sitting with them in the middle of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And when Mary and Joseph saw him, we read, they were astonished. You know that song, Mary, did you know, right, that your baby boy. And some theologians that I have had the honor of hanging out with have said, of course she knew. Well, in today's text, we're kind of in, well, she didn't know why he was at the house, and he asked her point blank. His mother asked him, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I were anxiously looking for you, and Jesus answered, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? 
even as a child, as he models perfect obedience, Jesus knew that he must follow a path, the path that his father had laid out for him. And at that moment, at that moment, the most important place for him to be was in his father's house. Now, sometimes you and I may lose Jesus. How are you going to explain that one, Pastor Ken? Well, it's, it's easy. We get so busy in our daily routine that maybe we don't even give him a thought. Maybe our circumstances cause us to be blinded. Looking at our own navel. That we forget whose business we are to be about. And then one day, we realize that he's missing. Do you know what we need to do when that happens? Do you know what we need to do when that happens? We need to retrace our steps. We need to go back to the place where we left him. And where do we usually find him? In his father's house. Jesus said it was important for him to be in his father's house. It's also important for you and me to be in his father's house house. Why? Because his father's house is, a, is, is, is our father's house. He told us when you pray, Abba, Papa, Daddy, you pray to him, you go to him like a child. His father's house, it is a house of worship. It's a house of prayer. A house of peace. A house of love. A house of joy. What better place could there be for a child of God to be than in his father's house? So, Merry Christmas. This is the twelfth day of Christmas. And on the twelfth day of Christmas, we see baby Jesus again. The gift that just keeps on giving, although the story has moved along some at this point. But the Son of God, well, what is he doing? The Son of God is doing what he always does, and that is this. He is earning our salvation. Last week, when we read 
Matthew 2, 19 through 20, the verse says, And Joseph follows, well, excuse me, let me read the verse. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in Egypt in a dream, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those seeking the life of your child are dead. And Joseph follows in obedience, and blessings follow him. Blessings follow us. Let's be reminded right now of God's goodness to his rebellious people. His goodness to children who rebel and deny him and those that he sends. His goodness and his faithfulness to those who forget about him, neglect him, leave him, lose him. See, God had called the children of Israel his people. He said to them that he was their God. And he said to them, you are my people. And he kept them safe. Over and over again, he kept them safe in famine. And he brought them to Egypt. And when the Egyptians enslaved his people, he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, a mighty outstretched hand, an outstretched arm. He saved them. But in the wilderness, they left him. They lost him. They complained against him, and they rejected God, saying that a golden calf actually had saved them from Egypt. God's people failed them. Out of of their sight, out of their mind, God's people failed him. And to save them, he decided to live his life for them and to do what was required of them. To save them, he decided to live for them. He decided to live for you, for me, to do what was required of you, of me, to be saved. He sent his son, Jesus, And Jesus is Israel, his people, he sent him to. He, Jesus, is born. Jesus flees to Egypt like Israel. Then he is called out of Egypt. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus checks all of the boxes that are required of the children of God. That little baby born to die, that little boy that laid, stayed behind and asked questions. It's all about saving you and saving me. Jesus checks the boxes. He does what you and I cannot and will not do. You and I cannot justify ourselves, can we? Oh, we try, and that's a really ugly look, isn't it? So he lives his life 
in your place and in, in my place. And then he suffers the punishment that you earn when you fail to keep what God requires of you. He is Israel for you and for me. And so he makes you Israel. God leaves nothing about your salvation up to you. This way, his way, his stepping in, this glorious exchange that Luther described, our depravity, our sin for his righteousness. It is the most sure way. We know that salvation and faith and hope and joy all flow from God's faithfulness. He is faithful when we are not. And you are faithful to God in Him. In Him. He is holy. And you are holy in Him. He is in heaven so that you will be in heaven. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, right? On the twelfth day of Christmas, there's a gift, and that is that Jesus is all about the work today of being your Savior. He is Israel for you, and you are Israel. You've been redeemed. You've been rescued. You've been set free. You've been led through the water. God's people, you are his people because of Jesus, because of him. He is the Son of God, and you are a child of God in him, by him through him. Merry Christmas in the name of Jesus.